Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Marvel's The Avengers, or depending on where you're listening and watching this, Avengers Assemble, or The Avengers, or many other uh, titles. It, speak to that international to audience. <laughs> exactly. a, I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And we have two special guests for you guys today. We've got John Gabrus, the host of the High and Mighty podcast, and Action Boys, and many other podcasts, and Eric Goldman, the managing editor for Fandom and host of the We Enjoy podcast. Uh, I love this. We've kind of uh, gathered our own Avengers here. I would yes, like to so say. True. Definitely. I'm accurate. definitely Aunt, I'm Michael Pena of this Avengers. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the... two tiers removed from being <laughs> having a skill set at all. Uh, like yeah, let's not uh, get into the skills we're contributing here. <laughs> I don't think we have to. Yeah, real quick, what does everybody bring to the table? Let's start there. Uh, I'm Hulk in that you don't want me to completely go off or else this podcast will suck. Uh, and so I'll just try <laughs> to be Banner for as much as possible. Love it. So actually, let's start off. Let's uh, take a big step back. I'm sure pretty much everybody listening knows exactly everything about the Avengers, but it came out May 4th, 2012. It was directed by Joss Whedon, story by Zach Penn and Joss Whedon, which was much discussion because Zach Penn did the original draft. Joss Whedon reportedly rewrote the entire thing. They argued about it and eventually settled. So it's all okay. But (laughs) where... Before we get to into that or any of the movie uh, in general, let's go back to where you started. Like when you first saw Avengers, what your reaction was like, what your screening was like. Justin, why don't you start off? What was uh, what was your first Avengers experience? And I imagine given that, like, we talked about Captain America and you're like, oh, I watched it last week. When did you first watch Avengers? I watched this in the theaters. Okay. I think we saw it together, you and I and yeah. uh, Pete, uh, the third host here. Um, I, I mean, it, it's it's amazing. Rewatching it, I rewatched it today, right before we taped, and I'm standing in my kitchen crying. And I feel like I had the same reaction when just everyone's together in the big last sequence. That the epicness of that is was right there on the first viewing, and it's still just as palpable rewatching it now. Eric, what about you? Where where did you first see Avengers, and what was that like? So I saw it at the world premiere uh, in Hollywood at the El Capitan oh, Theater. Uh, nice. I was very, very lucky, guys, because Jim Vavita ran, still runs the movie section of IGN. I ran the TV section at the time. Um, but Jim, uh, for him, his biggest fandom is James Bond, and he got the offer to go to a Skyfall set visit the week that was happening, the junket for Avengers. <laughs> so that's the only reason I got to do it. Um, and in this case, and we can talk about some of the things about like the shawarma scene being shot after the fact, the junket screening was the premiere. That doesn't always happen. I was not on the list to get to go to premieres at that point. Uh, but because they were basically making the junket screening come to the premiere, that's why I got to go and watch it that way. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it awesome. was a pretty amazing experience uh, for me. I was a like, lifelong Marvel fan reading the Avengers comics uh, since I was like seven or eight uh, and to see this movie happen and to see it happen so successfully and so well, well done. Uh, yeah. I was pretty much just joyous about the entire experience. I didn't get to go to the after party by the way, uh, but I, I watched them go in and, uh, but no, I was, it was just, just as ama- fun. Just yeah. as fun. <laughs> it and was, you, it was amazing. You, you were seated right between RDJ and Gwyneth Paltrow for the screen. Uh, exactly. No, I was in the, oh. the nosebleeds of the balcony of the El Capitan, <laughs> but I didn't care. I was just happy to be there. Gabrus, what about you? Where did you first see Avengers? I, I saw it late because I didn't go to the premiere, but I was at the after party. And oh, okay. uh, <laughs> I went straight there. So bomber, we could have met then if you oh, got man. in, but I was in there. Like passing, passing ships. Passing yeah. ships. <laughs> I was passing hors d'oeuvres and we were passing ships. Uh, <laughs> no, I saw this 
most likely opening weekend uh, at some point. I just tried to look in my iCal while you guys were talking, and I'm embarrassed by what was in my iCal for like that weekend. It's like <laughs> audition for Target, uh, you know, like just the most lame, low level acting bullshit. But my big takeaway from this movie was, and I, I'm like unpacking getting into the headspace I was in in 2012 is so different than how I feel about Marvel movies right now. It's crazy. Cause I distinctly remember being like, Holy shit. They got all these people into one movie. This is so <laughs> rad. And I hope they don't <laughs> go Jojo, the idiot circus boy with this and <laughs> tear it a fucking part that, that, you know, lefty said for what everyone's uh, uh, subjective opinions are, but watching this again was really i've seen it of course a handful of times watching it again last night i was i was pleasantly surprised i was like yeah this was fucking solid when it came out mm-hmm. it's it you know it's got its chunks like every other marvel movie but it really is a solid film all around i feel like on on a rewatch robert downey jr really stands out as like the the backbone of the whole Avengers franchise. And in this movie, like there's a lot of setup stuff. And only when he pops, it's like, yes, that now I see. I don't think Captain America is firing on all cylinders in this one yet either. He, uh, Chris Evans and him, Chris and RDJ sort of hold it all down in every other movie after this, including uh, civil war and stuff, but it just feels, it feels weird here. Like they don't have maybe Chris Evans. I think he, looks a little different now in a way that I like more. Whereas the old colored uh, Steve Rogers color, like Sandy Brown hair looked weird. And so I too thought, holy shit, RDJ is like sweeping away with this movie. That's full of mega talents, but he really shines because uh, Chris Evans isn't hitting his stride yet. I think. Well, and what's wild is uh, he Iron Man doesn't show up until 23 minutes into the movie, which is yeah. crazy. Apparently Robert right. Downey Jr. Pushed, Joss Whedon and said, you got to put me in the first scene. I'm the star of the movie. Put there. And they were like, no, 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 we'll hold back. We'll kind of build it. Uh, and I do think. No, to the, the first the scene we got to have Loki, Coulson, yeah. everyone's favorite. Dr. Selvig. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you got to take a step back. Alexis Denisoff in makeup. So he's unrecognizable narrating going, that tesseract. <laughs> That's where yeah. we want to start. Uh, I do want to mention uh, the first place I saw it because it was definitely, I think, the weirdest possible place I could have watched the Avengers. Um, I was working at MTV at the time and I needed to cover it. But the only place... To their credit, they were very nice about it. Marvel was able to get me into a screening in New York, but the screening they got me into was the Acura company screening. Ooh, the, ca- the car, the car okay. company who sponsored yes. it, who like shows up all over there. And Acura, so I went to- Acura. Well, that's the thing that was nuts about it is I'm there and I'm like, holy shit, I'm getting to see the Avengers on screen. This is so exciting. I can't wait. I've waited for this my whole life. Pretty much silenced the entire movie until an Acura showed it up on screen and people <laughs> yeah. lost it. Like they just clapping and cheering for the car. It was so funny. And I did go to the actor after party for that. Uh, and they had an Acura right in the middle. And it was very exciting. <laughs> VIP. The VIP. Acura thing is so funny, especially in the later <laughs> Avengers movie when Robert, De- when Tony Stark, a guy who flies in a suit and has the most yeah. high tech in the world, pulls up in an Acura. You're like, yeah, like come on. <laughs> or Le- it might be a Lexus in the later movies, but you're just like, what the fuck? or an Audi. Yeah. It's, it's some like semi-prestige yeah. car, but you're like, bro, you have a million different suits that have all these <laughs> different specifics. And you're like, I do like to drive a car every once in a while from New yeah. York to Westchester. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this car has air conditioning. You won't believe it. It's amazing. <laughs> now, jumping into the movie, though, I did want to address something that we kind of talked about here because I feel like I have a minority opinion about the movie, which is I like it and I appreciate it. And I really enjoy how it builds across the board that it kind of goes like one character, one character, two characters, three characters. But I don't think the movie really works for me until probably the last 45 minutes, which last 45 minutes are incredible. And those last 45 when minutes are... When it's a full are, cartoon is when you get on board, Sal. Exactly. Like, right, now we know all yeah. the characters. Time to Let take them out all... the cereal. 
you're Jump a Chitauri, around on the green dude. screen. <laughs> yeah, all you care about are the Chitari. Get out of here with this take. <laughs> That's where we get the Chitari. That's where we get the waitress. That's the important. The real characters. heroes of the series. I don't want to go full PLP substitute on this episode, <laughs> but I gotta take. I gotta go against you on this album because on this rewatch, what hit me even harder was all of the drama. Like uh, watching Captain America fight Thor and uh, Iron Man fight Thor, and all these human on human combat scenes which are not in the movies in later uh, in like as time goes on in the movies they're in there way less so i was really relishing in that and like the sort of half action movie mission stuff of like i gotta get the blade going all right well i gotta do parkour and fight this guy and it's like oh, the black widow scene like all those scenes meant more to me than the chitauri although i will say when i first saw it everyone fighting together, including that, uh, that quote unquote oneer where that like Thor hammers that thing into the fucking carrier, uh, Chitauri that fucking was rad. But on this rewatch, I relished in like, I wish they would have these more smaller moments of like Thor, Captain America and Iron Man fighting for like control power ideology and stuff. Yeah, I think the uh, I I think the final fight that final final five minutes is amazing and it's awesome and it delivered everything I wanted from an Avengers movie, but I do think uh, the movie kind of builds and builds in a great way. The only thing I don't think works is that opening at Project Pegasus. I think it's just kind of clunky. It feels like they were having trouble with how to open the movie because they also filmed that Maria Hill framing device that didn't get used. Here, let me let me just interject for that for anybody who's listening who doesn't know about it. Uh, there's a bunch of deleted scenes you can check out. And uh, like you're saying, a lot of the stuff that ended up at the cutting room floor was Maria Hill, Sam Jackson clashing with the World Security Council. And a lot of her storyline got pulled out, including the beginning scene and an end scene. The beginning scene set it up as like, oh, this is a disaster. We lost New York. Everybody died. Yeah. Thor's hammer is dripping in blood. It's so dark. And then at the end, it's a very classic, like, those terrible, 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 wonderful Avengers. I love them. And that's how they ended the movie. And, of course, they cut that out. Probably for the better. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. Go ahead, Greg. Yeah, so no, just, yeah, just that I don't think that opening really works. It's kind of clunky. The energy's off. I, it's not the problem is not that they begin with the smaller characters because I understand the inkling to do that. It just, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like it's moving right. But I do think after that, it's all pretty great. Uh, I also have to yeah, rem, you know, talk about the fact that Black Widow, this was the movie that made her a cool character because Iron Man 2 yeah. sure didn't. Uh, and so just from that intro, from that one, you know, when she's a prisoner, but it's, you know, she, but who's really the prisoner? Uh, uh, so it's a good. great, it's a great scene. Uh, and all the intros are great. And it does kind of just keep rolling. And then Iron Man's intro, it's like, okay, the energy gets even better. And then, yeah, as they start to come together and we get the Iron Man Thor fight, uh, I do love all that stuff, though I do think that final fight is is fantastic as far as just delivering like spectacle and, you know, having them all now work together because, of course, it's a story about them fighting until they can work together. But it does that really well. So I love it all in its totality, except for that opening sequence, which I think, yeah, just doesn't really. I mean, even great meals sometimes start with a dry salad. <laughs> right. and this is just a dressingless salad of an opening. But like you're saying, Eric, everything builds till we get because I agree. I agree with you, Gabers, like the way the the moments, the Black Widow stuff her opening sequence with the uh, the general there and then later when she just works loki yes is so fucking good it made me so excited for the black widow movie yeah, i, I got to say finally I, get a decade later <laughs> yeah yeah just when we need it I feel like the Avengers, this movie was so successful and I mean, was built to be successful. Obviously it was, it was a runaway train, but I feel like they were like, yes, more space portals, glowing cubes and thousands of green screen <laughs> yeah. alien character fodder. You know, it's all power Rangers versus putties. I, yes. I feel like there was a lot more going on in this movie. And I think they locked into like a weird, I, I think, I think what Marvel like sort of, expounded on and, and uh, exacerbated was the final act of this movie, which I like in this movie, but I think they were like, now that guardians of the galaxy, that's this, like it all becomes that third act of the Avengers is what everything, uh, the civil war hero fight is like my favorite big fight in all of Marvel history, like with Ant-Man growing and all that shit. And that's, I think because it's not just against faceless stakesless aliens, which I think is, uh, the one time, like the thing that I get tired of in Marvel and I may be bringing in baggage from movies after this 
into this rewatch. I will say like, I'm, I'm bringing guardians of the galaxy volume two and all these other of like seven hours of Avengers movies uh, of one quote unquote Avengers movie. I watch, uh, <laughs> I'm like bringing all that energy into this rewatch. So I'm making maybe uh, more global uh, complaints than I am uh, macro. But I do think this movie is, I mean, we've said this on every rewatch of the movies leading up to this one. This is the movie where the Marvel formula really comes together. <laughs> but this, we this have is, legitimately this is said the movie. That every podcast so far. <laughs> but this is the movie where they're doing the most, and it sort of doesn't have the genre crutch they um, lean on a little bit with like Cap and some of the other movies. Where it really is just like, we're, this is our formula. We're going to do so much. The complexity of the fight, like the helicarrier battle, yes. is wild. There's so many. Iron Man and Captain America are together, but then Iron Man's just in the rotor. Cap's like doing all these tricks, batting grenades out of the air. like some Hawk sort of, Hawkeye's a bad guy. Scar Joe's having a tete-a-tete. Like uh, Hulk and Thor are going head-to-head. And also, it's... That fight is so rad, just but I always laugh when they cut to Sam Jackson and Colby Smulders like firing pistols. It's always like, God, get the fuck out of here. We yeah. just saw a god fighting a fucking gamma freak in a fucking throwing planes at each other, and then cut to two people like taking cover and firing rounds. It's like, I'm glad you guys got your moment, but that doesn't feel like it belongs at this point. Oh, it is oh, very and funny. When Cap has a gun is insane. That feels so American. Yeah. When he like flips the dude and he just falls into the waist, you're like, oh, don't fuck with Captain America. But I do, I agree with you. Like Nick Fury in this movie, I feel like Samuel Jackson was like, yo, where the fuck is my shit? And later, like the nukes taking off in the plane, he's like, I'm going to shoot a bazooka at it. And then he does, <laughs> blows crazy. it up, and they're like, wrong plane, idiot. And it just flies off you and he pulls out his gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there he is. You just killed a fucking member of S.H.I.E.L.D. who was just taking <laughs> <Yeah>. off. <laughs> killed a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Fired a bazooka at a nuke is what he thought he was doing, which is insane. That's a On the deck scene. of his helicarrier, mm-hmm. yeah. But you know Samuel Jackson was like, that's what I want to do. They're like, okay, we'll put it in. <laughs> and it, then it is. Well, I think this points to also, not to get too wonky about it, but why this movie is so successful, which I another thing that I remember very specifically going into this movie, and this happens with every Marvel movie, but they're like, is this the one? Is this the one where Marvel's going to fail? Are they going to fall off the cliff? And... Up until then, you had these individual solo movies that all made, I think, nobody checked my facts on this, but around 200, 250 billion uh, domestically, which was really solid. And I certainly went into Avengers going, I'm excited as a comic book fan. I don't know how this is going to hit for everybody else. It'll probably do about the same. Obviously, it made that in the opening weekend. You know, it blew everything (laughs) out of the water. And I think part of the reason is what we're talking about here is just the scale of this movie is so beyond everything else they did before. And I think potentially that points to what you're saying, Gabrus, about you go that big, you have to keep topping it with every MC movie after that, sometimes potentially to the detriment of the movies. I'm I'm with you on that. And it's so funny. Like I felt the same way about Avengers. Of course it's going to be huge. It's like taking five of the biggest movies of the last year and just mashing them all together. And you would say like, old Hollywood, you'd be like, look, everyone loves Death Wish movies. Everyone loves Die Hard movies. Everyone loves these movies. Let's mash them all together and put all these actors in a movie. I'd be like, that's a disaster. These fucking people pulled it off. It's like six different huge characters with decades of lore behind them. And they all managed to like fit into this movie. Mate, like I just watched Street, I rewatched Street Fighter. So if you want to talk about a movie that's trying to jam in a shit ton of characters <laughs> and doesn't pull it off, it's funny like watching these two back to back and it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's how you do it. <laughs> I'm not a Whedon fan, but that is a little better than what you pulled off D'Souza. Yeah, I am. Um, And it's also, I feel like they fix a lot of the problems of the individual movies in this movie. Like the the Iron, the Tony Stark, Pepper Potts relationship is the best it's been so far in this movie. Yes. Thor sort of works the best in this movie. He's like, he's a god, but also he can be a little bit funny uh, in this movie without it being self-serious. Hawkeye sucks and he sucks in this movie. So it really is making a lot of sense. I do like, I, I forgot that they made him a bad guy. 
I forgot that they made him a bad guy. And I'm like, thank God. It's like, but I do like that making Hawkeye a bad guy. doesn't even stress anyone else out. It's like the arrow guy. Yeah, fine. He can, cause he can shoot at me. Like everyone else in the Avengers, like who'd they get Clint, the arrow guy. Yeah, we're safe. Let him there are go. little things like that through the movie that do feel they're the, they're the last distritus of the MCU and Marvel studios feeling very tied to the comic books past this point. I think they kind of ditch it and they go their own way, but something like Hawkeye being bad originally, that's, Oh, he's bad originally in the comic book. So let's bring that into the movie. And yes, Hawkeye sucks. I'm sorry to anybody <laughs> listening to this. Who thinks differently. I'm sorry to Jeremy yeah. Renner listening to this. Yes. I, I will defend Hawkeye. Okay. Go ahead. Eric. What do you like about Hawkeye? No, no. I mean, I, I love, I love the character from the comics. I love my West coast Avengers. I love, uh, you know, a lot of his uh, solo stuff that Matt Fraction did. And I actually don't dislike the MCU Hawkeye and stuff they did with him in age of Ultron and civil war. Um, by the way, it's always funny when you see movies at different audiences. I remember like my fourth time seeing civil war Hawkeye's entrance when he like shows up to like get Wanda got a huge applause. Like that crowd was like very psyched for Hawkeye. Not you the saw events. it at the <laughs> Jeremy Renner friends and family. Yes, show, I did. Right? The Jeremy That's Renner the one that opened with screening. An, yes. That opened with an hour long musical yeah. show, right? It was just yeah. Renner singing, Skit, uh, crooning scatting. for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, I do think it's his use in this movie is funny and odd just because uh, he and, you know, Widow, we hadn't met. Well, I mean, yeah, we'd met him for two seconds at a Thor cameo, uh, but we didn't know him really. Uh, so it is funny that he like instantly is turned evil and it's kind of like this not. And, you know, and they give him a history with Widow and I do like that, but it just kind of feels like a little bit kind of like, eh, we couldn't figure out how to naturally have him in the crowd, in the group scenes in this movie. So we'll just kind of keep him on the periphery until the final act, you know? And then I, I think there's some really fun stuff with him. And I love the part when he shoots the arrow at Loki, Loki catches it, has your, Ooh, but then it explodes as your, ah, uh, yeah. so you know, there's, <laughs> there's some, there's some cool fun stuff with that. Uh, but it is like, you could just feel like when they're looking at like, Oh, we got to have six main characters. We're like, what if we had five? And this one guy comes in in the third act, you know, and yeah. that's when he's really fights with them. And he does get to be a badass when he's a bad guy. Um, but I just think, first off, it's weird, especially with a Thor cameo. It's always, he's always just like, Oh, put Hawkeye in this really high spot. So no one's really around him or yeah. talking to him. So we, like, can cut to him. <laughs> we can cut to him in a single doing a bunch of yeah. cool stuff. And then we shot him months later. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but also, like, he's so self-serious. It's like he's coming from a DC movie, and it's just like he's just your the cousin from the, the serious town who's here to, like, glower at everyone while everyone else is having, like, a fair amount of fun. Or it's just like Black Widow is just hyper-competent and chill. Anytime there's a situation, she's like, this is weird. The speeders with the aliens on them? I'll just jump on one. See, I'll catch up with you guys. <laughs> Give me well, and the other thing uh, that you're kind of touching on here, I think, Justin, is you had a Thor movie, you had a Captain America movie, you had two Iron Man movies by this point. So these characters, they had their tones established. Black Widow, like you were saying, Gabrus, just sort of shows up in Iron Man 2 and it doesn't quite work uh, exactly the way that they want to. She really comes into her own here. But Black Widow and Hawkeye in particular feel like they're sort of off in their own movie at certain points and there's a lot of work that needs to be done to jam them in with the rest of these established characters. It works really well with Black Widow. She does feel integrated to the movie. She's awesome in it. Hawkeye we're, I don't know, 20 something movies later. They're not quite there yet, but hopefully they're going to be there. I feel like those two should that they should just have like a fucking Navy SEALs movie, like a movie where they're like, like I'm sure will Clint show up in the uh, black black widow movie. We think, I don't know. It's tough because that one happens after civil war. So he's under house arrest at that point. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I think Mm. the most fun place to have his character. I'm guessing if he's in it, it's a post credit or a framing device that deals with after her death. That's that's well, I, I, that's what. Oh, I guess interesting. I was thinking a one scene, the the Black Widow Loki scene, where she talks about when she first met Clint about how he was sent to kill her. I could see that as a flashback within the flashback of the Black Widow movie <laughs> to maybe just establish them and and see that it feels like something that they is love part that of the shit. Lore. They gotta. They love yeah. to fuck it. I mean. They they're gonna do that. They're gonna tie. They're gonna tie it together. It's they they pair so well together because they don't have powers, right? It's like it's perfect to just have the two of them have to deal with like a small side mission. So or have them fight each other on the cliffs of death as <laughs> later on. Yeah, my it's least favorite sick. thing to ever happen in the, the uh, Avengers stuff. movies. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes, all yes. that shit is, uh, and them fighting over and like like 
out killing one another, but we save that for that episode. I'll cut in for a, <laughs> yeah. a big <laughs> How many times do you think they're going to say red in my ledger in the Black Widow movie? Is it going to be just like a full 50% of the script? Um, <laughs> like a parrot. That's all she could say. That and wanting <laughs> a cracker. <laughs> the, well, but that, that points to something that I think, uh, like we're kind of bouncing around here with Hawkeye and Black Widow, is the red in my ledger thing and them talking about what happened in Budapest were so sticky for people and it pointed to whatever happened off screen with them was way more interesting than what was happening on screen with them. Uh, I think that's why it stuck with people. Also, they're murdering a shit ton of Shatari and he says, remind you of Budapest? And you're like, what the fuck did they do in Budapest? These guys are supposed to be heroes. Who did they kill? They weren't other aliens. It was humans of some sort. They were off in a fucking shit ton of like Hungarians or whatever. Uh, when, when, when Loki is doing that, when when Loki's doing the rundown of like the the red in her ledger and things that you know he names a lot of places and names, but I think he says the hospital fire. So I'm like, what's yeah. that story? Like, there's, you know, I guess there is some really dark shit. And it's to deal one with. thing because that's Black Widow's backstory, but then tagging Clint in that too, and it's like, okay. And then Sam Jack, like now we're like we all have like murder in our his- in our past, like a lot of fucked up tiny notebooks. Uh, <laughs> Winter Soldier style uh, later on. Fast and the be- Furious does this the same way too, where it's like retconning, where it's like uh, actually what he did wasn't that evil, and yeah. here's here's some more information to what happened. So the guy who's been a bad guy for three movies can now be in the crew. Like, I, I yeah. wonder what they're gonna do with Loki. Like, is Loki gonna be a villain in the show? I think so. One before we get to Loki, because I think there's so much to talk about with him. I do want to say on the fucked up things I noticed in this rewatch, you get the thing where uh, Samuel Jackson throws the the Captain America cards down that covered in blood, and later the um, Hills like they were in his locker, and I was like, "What did he take the cards and rub them in a bunch of blood?" <laughs> he, put, he put. I mean, there's probably before they blood zipped up the body bag on yeah. Coulson. He's like, "Hold on," and he's like, kind of like <laughs> stuck him directly in the wound. He was like, "That's nice." It went straight through him, so it could just slot in there. That makes Nick Fury an asshole, which is crazy, which is such a crazy thing to tag because it doesn't add any value to the movie. It's a dramatic sequence when it drops, but later undercutting it with like he had that in his. It's like I had to lie to the people who will work for me forever. It's like wait, what? (laughs) I mean, I guess I'm cool. I'm cool. I do kind of. I guess I kind of like that, and I feel like Winter Soldier continued that with it's. It's like you know that. Um, you know, obviously, it turns out there are way worse people than Nick Fury at Shield, but it, it is kind of like he is a dick. Yeah, you know, it's he like is a he spy. is. He's he, he, yeah, he is right, the deep right. and it's like he, he can't be trusted. <laughs> yeah, uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, for me, and we've talked about this on the podcast with the other movies. This is, I think, the best Coulson. Like, this is the best use of Clark Gregg, I would say, and I'm sure Ages of Shield fans would disagree with me, but. I honestly think like the way the dialogue works here and the way Coulson works here as a character is much more fun where he just feels like this odd peg in every previous movie. Right, right. That is, he's, it's like Whedon's doing a very specific thing here because it's like, I got to make sure you like him because I'm going to kill him. But I think he's successful at it. You know, it's like he was he was a likable presence in uh, the other movies, but it's not like he was like, I need more of him for sure. Like, oh, I like that guy. Uh, but I do think they do a pretty good job of making like, you know, his, his fanboying out over cap and whatnot, uh, uh, a, a nice, a nice little thing to, to hang on to then set up that he's going to brutally die in front of our eyes and then get uh, a TV show for seven years. Uh, Tony's Tony's reaction to, uh, Coulson's death is, is great. And like, that's where you're just like, Oh, right. You have Robert Downey Jr. In this movie, dude's been an actor since he was like fucking nine. He's, he's talented. And when he sells like, when he's like kind of angry and like doesn't know how to deal what what he wants to do next, and he's talking to a cat, like that shit is fucking cool. It's like you I, you never lost a soldier, huh? That's such a great fucking line of like you have to get over it. War sucks, and then Tony's line is like we're not at war, and you see like soldier, I'm not, we're not soldiers. And you're like, bro, you are <laughs> like you are now like unfortunately and this is the sh- this is going to be the future for you people are you love are going to die up to and including spoiler alert you <laughs> yeah well and that line really stuck out where he was when cap and, and iron man are going back and forth he's like you're not going to make the sacrifice and then he does it in this movie and then he does it at the end and the, he loses his life and i was like man they were able to just pull all the seeds in this movie and just really stack them for the rest amazing i also love when it's rdj is like the fun guy and when he gets serious 
it fucking matters. Changes like the tone saying. of the movie in the in yeah. a way. The, we have this expression based on Ben Rogers' dad on Action Boys, where like you're. This is the part of the movie where your dad goes, "Ooh, we got a movie now. Like all this bullshit yeah. is done. <laughs> We're just gonna be killing people now. Like it's like that '80s vibe of like, oh boy, Avengers <laughs> have assembled. You know what I mean? I fuck. It's it's the highlight moment for me while we're just talking about the mo- the mo- the moment in this movie that makes me go like fuck yeah this is what comic books are all about is the moment where uh bruce says the thing is i'm always angry and oh. just cranks and cocks that fist and slowly turns to the hulk as he punches that thing <laughs> It starts with him showing up on like a little moped, like it's Baghdad, yeah. like he's yeah. like, you know, and he just rolls up and it rules. And then that moment is just like, yes, the Hulk is here. He's in control. And they do such good seed planting, too, where the guys are like, seems like you aimed for the empty place. You were the Hulk when you landed. Like that character is really that interaction is really funny. And so when the Hulk gets that chance, you're like, shit. And it's like when when Cap goes and Hulk smash. Like I, oh, you just love, great. you're like, yes. yeah. and he leaps into the fucking building and just does like full on himself as like a human cannonball knocking fucking people around. It's awesome. And I, I know I already said this, but I literally today was watching this movie. My daughter's in the background. I'm crying at that line. That line's a joke. It's a joke. Essentially. There should be no big emotional rap. I don't know what's up with me where I'm like, why am I <laughs> yeah, crying? Let's get into this. <laughs> I, I, but like I, in those, that series of scenes of moments where uh, Hulk shows up, I only, I'm always angry. And then you see the wrap around and then Hulk's met. Like, I don't know what it is, but that just like, tears my heart out i mean it's like distilling your entire childhood into a 45 second scene it makes sense that that would hit because it fucking affects me too jt and it's i love teams like that's my i got into comics because of x-men that was my way in because i just i've always loved teams it's D. it's fucking navy seals it's the new york giants like i just love everyone has a different skill set but together we're on uh, improv yeah he's the fucking loud obnoxious one he's the one with actually good ideas like i love i love that fucking everyone's got a skill set thing so when it's locked in the movie you know is about this but they've been butting heads and anytime they've worked together it's been good and in this moment they all decide to work and you're like it's you're crying tears of I don't know if it's joy, sadness, or what I think it really is is pride. You're like, <laughs> I'm, ser- you're like, I'm a member of the team. You're like I'm proud the of them. Like I feel like you're proud of them. Where you're like, yes, they're working together. The Chitari are fucked. Like yeah. Loki, you're fucked, dude. The boys are back in town. You know. And how's that feel, Zalman, hearing that when you're such a Chitari fan? Like you were rooting for the Chitari Avengers, really who we don't get to know very well. We don't get to know yeah. the Chitari Avengers. The second I saw Iron Man go for that control ship at the end, I was like, ah, oh, that's over. They're biological beings that are just controlled by this one ship. They're all going to fall down. That's a real bummer. Yeah. You know everything about the Chitari. It's like, they're humans. They have the exact same gravity as us. They, uh, you know, they instantly die. Their guns are easy. The operate if you're black widow <laughs> like there's so much shit that happens at the end where you're like we're glossing over a lot of stuff that, <laughs> that should talk and and this is the shit i this is the stuff that bothers me the most about marvel movies is this like department of defense pro fascism moments that we get right. and just showing like a bunch of nypd with pistols like shooting aliens it's like we don't need to see this where you're not in the world of reality anymore don't i like the moment with cap and the cops like that's a fun like quote unquote real like grounding moment for everyone but when the like we got to show the real heroes too don't forget like you know like that's shooting into the air while shooting into buildings (laughs) not to get way too far afield here but it was an interesting experience watching this movie again after the whole justice league thing that went down and watching Whedon's version of Justice League and then, of course, like the Snyder Cut as well. But seeing the things that very specifically Joss Whedon put into his version of Justice League, where you can see it's like the things that maybe don't quite work in Avengers or kind of like come close to not working, like the waitress that's just kind of there that they keep focusing on, just become exacerbated when you're watching Justice League, where he's trying to give you these ground level things with the cops. He's trying to give you a ground level like entry point so that just in case you don't, you know, identify with the Avengers, like Justin, at least you have somebody that you can kind of hook into there with the waitress of the people on the ground. Then in Justice League, you see there's this family living in the middle of fucking nowhere in Chernobyl, who's like, oh no, there's bugs. All right, let's drive out of here. Uh, Which just, uh, yeah, anyway. 
Well, I will say you see some commonalities here based on Ray Fisher's comments too, that Sam Jackson is the only person of color in this entire movie yes, that takes yeah. place in New York city. One of the less white places I've been to in my life. It just, <laughs> it feels it stuck out to me so much in this movie for some reason, when I realized all the Avengers were white and I was like, and the Joss Whedon, Ray Fit, like, and, and that Cyborg had the hardest time filming. You're like, wait a minute, this feels weird. Like, and how and he I, demanded the only the white Chitari were there as well. Which is, <laughs> yeah, he's like, the seems. Chitaris also have a racial class system. It's like, why? <laughs> Do we have to articulate this? <laughs> uh, I will say, I mean, this is a little bit different from the race stuff, which is definitely its own thing. But it's hard to watch this movie now, knowing the allegations against Whedon. Uh, certainly, that colors the way you're looking at it. And when I was doing some research, we talked about. Pepper being in the movie earlier and she's great. This is probably the best Pepper has been so far. The relationship is really good. But Whedon apparently didn't want Pepper in the movie uh, and Downey Jr. insisted. He was like, no, you have to have her there. She needs to be in the movie. This is really important. And the quote from Whedon the reason he didn't want anybody to have their girlfriends or friends or anything was you need to separate the characters from their support systems in order to create the isolation you need for a team. Which sounds what? like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> pull, pull that out three inches to a mm -hmm. meta kind of idea of making a movie, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, you got to break them down and build them up how you want to. Oh, weird. <laughs> so wild and all that this movie worked, given all of those things and given the things that we know now. Uh, you wanted to talk about Loki, though, Justin. We kind of held yes. back on that. What do you want to say about that guy? Well, in this, it, it's striking to me for two reasons. Um, one, he loses. He's a loser. Like, he fucks this up so much throughout this whole movie. Black Widow, Coulson works him over. He just blows it all over, never has his grip on the whole thing. Hulk beats him up. Thor crushes him over and over, and over again. And then this is the Loki that's going right into the Loki series. I thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah. He's just been his ass handed to him over and over again. He's leaving with a muzzle in a teleportation device. Yeah. I mean, clearly, when they made this movie, I'm sure they had, you know, they didn't know yet, like, how much fans would love Loki, even though he'd been in Thor. Because uh, I always remember they did a panel for this movie at New York Comic Con, a smaller panel than San Diego where they had everyone. At New York, it was Evans, Ruffalo, Kobe Smulders, uh, Clark Gregg, and Hiddleston. And this was the first, so this would have been fall 2011. And this was the first time I realized, oh, shit, like, people love Loki because all the audience questions for, were for Hiddleston. Chris Evans was basically being ignored. Uh, and it was just this funny thing of like people screaming. So many girls were cosplaying as Loki, clearly in love with him. Uh, but when they made this movie, I don't think they realized that at the time that he's just there to be a villain that we've met before. Um, but I do think watching when, when they do the Loki series, now that we've seen, we've seen him redeemed. Like we know that his character can be redeemed fully. Uh, so that'll be interesting that it's, he's supposed to be a guy who just tried to like, you know, take over the earth and kill a bunch of people. Uh, but I think that they're going to have to temper that with the fact that it's like, but he's lovable. Loki. He, he stabbed Coulson in the back <laughs> and like, and now he's, yeah, yeah. He, this guy's fresh for murder. Uh, the other thing, the other, the other minor, well, go back to Loki for one second, but that just made me think of uh, hearing Paul Bettany's voice as Jarvis in this movie. You're like, right. And then you're like, Oh my God. Imagine that career path. You're Paul Bettany. And, I, and if I remember correctly in some interviews, he's talking about he, he hadn't gotten a lot of work. He wasn't getting work at the time. They reached out, asked him if they wanted to be the voice in the Iron Man movie or whatever. He does it as the voice of an operating system. And the end result of that is like a sitcom parodying dramedy on a platform that didn't exist at the time starring... Like, it, Vision became such a thing from... He gets a call in like 2005 or whatever. He's like, can you do a couple of, can you do a voice on this Iron Man movie? And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. Quick, easy paycheck. And then smash cut to him eight hours of fucking practical makeup every day shooting fucking WandaVision. Imagine if he, wild ride. imagine if he had like one eye or he looked crazy. Like the odds yeah. of this working out are crazy. <laughs> 
Uh, the thing that I wanted to mention about Loki, this gets back to something we were talking about earlier, but he, like Eric was touching on, wasn't exactly supposed to be the villain of the movie. They actually weren't sure at a certain point what they were going to go with. And with the whole comic book thing, they kind of looked at, oh, he's the villain in Avengers 1. Why don't we just kind of use him there? But they considered other villains that were going to bring in the Red Skull at one point. Thanos, who is, oh, they were going to do Ezekiel Stain, Obadiah Stain's son, was going to show up, potentially, Oof. but eventually they decided, no, we'll do well, Loki. Well, dodged, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they went for the whole Chitari thing that I think we've debated quite a bit here. Uh, but Thanos was debated. also something that Whedon was like, hey, can we just do Thanos at the end? Loki shouldn't be doing this on his own. He should be working for somebody. And they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then that becomes the whole plot of the entire thing for 20 movies after that point, which is wild. They do it. That's crazy that they end up like that. The Tesseract is the is one of the gems, right? That's like the mind gem or something. Like, and then, so it's like and so much shit is like planted that will pay off, whether it's premeditated or not. I don't give a fuck. I'm proud of them as a improv lifelong <laughs> improv student. I'm so proud that they are able to like make these distant connections, even if they are faking it and just ret- retconning shit for us. They're succeeding. It is a very big improv team move to be like, oh, that blue cube. Now it's a yellow gem. Yeah. <laughs> it just is different now. The blue cube that uh, we mentioned in the first, we're smash shoehorning into the third act of this, <laughs> into our third beats and making it be important. Justin, you and I, we've talked about this a bunch of times and I still get it confused even after all these movies. So the Tesseract, is that the blue stone and Loki's scepter is the yellow stone or am I mixing it up? No, I think, I mean, we should have looked this up beforehand, but yeah. doesn't the Tesseract just become the Mind Stone? That's what no, I no, thought. the Mind Stone's inside the Scepter. You're right, Alex, the okay. Yellow Stone that will end up in Vision's head is inside Loki's Scepter at this point. Right. So that makes sense, then. And yes. the Tesseract the is a, diff- is a is different space gemstone. Yes, yep. yes. That's crazy. <laughs> two ge- two of the Infinity Gems in one movie? We didn't even know how we had it, bro. The Holy shit. Loki's running around holding two of them, yeah. Well, that's the crazy thing. Like, when yeah, you think about it from like a plot perspective. Of the way, it's 40% of the way <laughs> yeah. to killing half the population of the universe. And the Thanos' his plan is like, okay, take this Infinity Stone, bring it to Earth, get me this other Infinity Stone, and then you, a person who lies all the time, bring them back to me. It's nonsense. It's absolutely you, nonsense what you think You, the it. Trickster guy. Yeah, the opening of the movie, he is handing him the scepter, right? So it is. Yeah. Again, I don't think they'd had mapped this all out, but it worked. No. It worked well enough. You know, it's like you know, they it worked well enough for later. Well, and I do think this movie, rewatching it, like it does plays pretty seamlessly. But there is that scene um, where uh, Black Widow finds finds Mark Ruffalo that they shot like on an awful set. Like that set looks like. Yeah, they built it's it like out of rubber. Yeah, yeah. it's like it, it's like a, a Western set repurposed to be India, and, and then the wide shot is like, uh, and they're also in like a, in Sedona. <laughs> like yeah. it, 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 it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. And the fact that the shawarma scene at the end looks perfect. Like, it is funny the way that, like, you can tell the, like, push-pull and the rush of making a movie this big and complex. They were, like, we're rushing at this point, but in the end, we have this very meticulously made shawarma button that is an improvised line. so strange, of course, because I referenced this earlier, but... I saw the movie without the shawarma scene. It didn't exist. The world premiere of the movie is happening. We see the Thanos scene, nothing after the credits, because the next day is the day that Downey flippantly says at the press conference, we're shooting another scene tonight. And it turns out he's not joking. Uh, So that's the surreal thing that I saw this movie at the world premiere and it wasn't complete. Uh, and then when That's I awesome. saw it a couple weeks later, now there was, uh, cause I saw it again before it opened a small, small screening room on the Disney lot. And now it had the trauma scene. Uh, so very strange that they, they did that. And, you know, of course, famously like Evans is, has to cover his face cause he had a beard at the time and they put some weird prosthetic, but they knew it didn't look good. So they just had him put his hand there. Talk about a flex where you're like, hey, I had a pretty good joke today about going to get shawarma. We're shooting it in like a couple more days. Everybody get your <laughs> While shit you're together. here to do the junket. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. While you're promoting this movie, we're going to shoot more of this movie. Uh, yeah. You said flex. Just the word I was going to show is like it demonstrates absolute confidence, especially that the scene we're referring to is silent. Like, like that is absolute cockiness and pulling it off like that is so here's your six favorite characters at the end of the movie just sitting at a table and it's beautiful touching 
and funny somehow. And it's yeah. a throwaway line from RDJ, uh, from Tony, that ends up being, it's fucking, that's that some he, cocky bullshit. Guys, the next, the next, and, the, and the next level craziness, we're recording this on the day Avengers Campus opens at Disneyland at California Adventure. It has two shawarma carts. Why does it have two shawarma carts? <laughs> because because RDJ ripped yeah. a shawarma <laughs> because reference. Because Robert Downey Jr. made an improv and Joss Whedon decided to actually make it into a scene they shot before days before the movie opened and now it's a physical thing at disneyland it's so strange he's done more for well-seasoned chicken than any other man in culture right now. <laughs> oh, that, that's the one person in joss's corner still <laughs> well-seasoned <laughs> big, big shawarma big shawarma, big shawarma. Big shawarma. <laughs> that was my college nickname <laughs> any other any other moments from the movie that particularly struck you on this rewatch anything else you wanted to call out the only one we, the other major moment that we haven't talked about that got the biggest reaction when I saw it in the theater was Hulk decimating Loki. Like, cause it's, it's edited in a great way where Loki's in the, at like peak expounding of like, I am a, and he just gra- scoops him, bash, 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 puny God. Like that shit landed. I, this might have been the first time I heard puny God in the movie. Because I'm usually so fucking amped that he's smashing. It's so perfectly edited, and you're just so pumped at the Hulk. And it's like, it's a weirdly like iconic brains versus brawn where brawn wins once. You know what I mean? It was like such a like, well, I'm also an absolutely indestructible, strong being. Here you go, pal. And it fucking rules. That, that, the fucking killing of the big slug. Those are some of my favorite. Uh, the first killing where they all work together in the one shot. I love all that shit. That's great. The uh, the Loki thing, apparently the way they shot that is Tom Hiddleston did have this whole speech that they gave him and he didn't know they had a rope attached to his leg and pulled him because obviously Hulk is not there or anything. And so he specifically was like, don't tell me when you're going to pull it so you can, I can have an honest reaction there. So that's, I think, part of why that works so well is because Hell he's yeah. just awesome. like... So ready to go, and then just gets pulled off screen. That's it's awesome. So Hiddleston funny. is a, a great actor, and he's doing the most in this movie. Uh, like, uh, like Tony's doing, uh, RDJ is doing a lot, but he's like the least. Like his face is always out. He's always talking. He's never flying. Like, and Hiddleston is carrying it. He's the bad guy in a movie starring five of your favorite heroes from the last few movies, and you don't hate him. Like, that's pretty fucking skilled. Yeah. And he doesn't get to have a lot of fun. He has to be so serious and nefarious. And, like, his fun is always couched in this, like, ha-ha. And everyone's like, you idiot. And they just work him. So, like, yeah. it's, a, it's a harder job for sure. Um, I just wanted to shout out uh, the secret cabal, uh, the monitors that Nick Fury talks to. The fact that they don't ever define that, I give him credit for the dystopian version of that. Another movie would have been like, well, see, these are the leaders of all the different nations, and these nations weigh in on a UN secret, and all, like, all that nonsense, and we didn't have to do that. Give it up for them. I thought it was funny that the helicarrier gets like this series of Acura-style glory shots <laughs> for a large <laughs> tract of the movie. I'm like, okay, like we got it. Uh, I feel like that's something they have dispensed with in Avengers movies going forward. Yeah, I think this movie, yeah, it's, it all works really well. You know, of course, like, you know, Whedon is sort of known for very quippy dialogue, which some people hate, some people love. And some, uh, for me, I love it when it's done well, which, you know, I, with like Buffy and stuff. And I think this movie does it really well. Um, you know, that first confrontation with uh, Iron Man and Thor and Cap jumping out of the plane after them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love when uh, Iron Man says a bad idea. He loves his hammer. Uh, and just like all these, like, it's just, it's getting these little moments so well when I really love the moment of escalation that leads to the kind of big fight on the helicarrier where they're, you know, basically they hone in on the, uh, the scepter that that's kind of like making them uh, angry at each other. But when like, they're all kind of yelling at each other and they're all kind of making good points about each other and whether issues, I agree with you that Cap doesn't a hundred percent come into his own until Winter Soldier, but I do think they, they are starting to kind of find how he can bounce off people really well there and him and Tony and their antagonism, which will of course be a through line through many of these movies, uh, I think is really well done here. And the put on the suit, put on the suit. And then of course, sort of the punchline being like put on the suit when it's attacked. Uh, all of that stuff is just really well done and does such a good job of you know, taking these very, very different characters and mashing them together, which again, could have been a total disaster. It's so fascinating, of course, that Whedon would be a key player in the theatrical version of Justice League, which is a example of the bad version of doing that. Uh, but this movie, it all just kind of comes together in the, the way you hope it would. 
And shout out to the Galaga joke as well. Like, yes. still crushes. Yes. Like, yeah. very funny. That bit. was just to keep big upping Robert Downey Jr. Apparently, he improvised that as well. He was just like calling out <laughs> lines and said the Damn. Galaga thing. They thought that was funny. So then they went and filmed the guy playing Galaga. So there you go. Great. Good dude. Good shit right there. That's great instincts, though. I'm so that, that makes me excited. Like, they're, oh, we should shoot that and put that in the movie. That's like a good sign. I feel like they lose that a little bit later movies because they owe so much to fucking so much business. And they've gotten to the point where it's apocalyptic, end of world, end of days shit. But this keeps it small in the lead up. And them fighting with each other is so, so great that you're so pumped when they fucking join together. And I feel like, yes, Civil War has them fighting. But in later movies, it's sort of just like, shit is just way too big to even deal with anything interpersonal. So I, I, I really appreciated the smallness of like the first couple acts and I'm calling this movie small solely because it would be <laughs> retroactively considered small by the movies that follow it. But at the time it was like a fucking enormous fucking production, two hours and 24 minutes. And you're like, it's one of the short ones. It's like, fucking great. <laughs> Good movie. All right. Why don't we move on to our next section, which is our vision board, where we look ahead to what's coming down the pike. We've talked about Loki a little bit, but let's uh, get into it for another second, since that's coming up very rapidly in the next couple of days as we're taping this. Uh, Gabrus, what are you looking forward to? What are you excited about for that show? What do you want most out of it? See, I, I'm not sure. I'm not that hyped on the Loki series. I have enjoyed I enjoyed WandaVision. I enjoyed uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm glad that they're trying out different genres in the TV space. I think that's the future of Marvel, uh, of the MCU in a way. If they want to do as much as they want to do, they can't all be huge Transformers levels fights. So I feel like shrinking it down. So I'm excited to see what they do with uh, Loki, but it's, I've, I'm like, I feel burned by Marvel and I'm maybe even packaging Star Wars and Marvel into like, and the, state of movies all into like one thing but, but i feel like marvel is my uh my figurehead for this problem and i'm they burned me and i'm kind of over them and these little tv shows i'm enjoying that it's not i'm not going to event after event after tentpole after tentpole it feels good to shrink it down so i'm i'm not hyped on anything i'm very curious and i this is all to be said that I have seen every movie multiple times that comes out and have watched all the series that they do and read thousands and thousands and thousands of issues of comic books. But I just feel like they're not, I, I know they're not being made for me to be fair. I'm a 40 year old man. Like uh, these movies aren't for me, but they're for kids, but I, I'm so happy to, I'm, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see who's <laughs> protesting outside of the theater. It's not going to be kids, you know, <laughs> but I, not what you asked, but the thing I'm most excited about is Shang-Chi, but we can talk about other stuff later. I'm curious. I don't know that much about Loki either. So I'm, I know a buddy of mine is in it, which I'm thrilled about. And well, I do want to ask you just to take a step back. Uh, what do you know when you started to get burned by Marvel? I'm just curious. Was there a movie you're like, eh, this is too much. The uh, guardians of the galaxy started to lose me. Guardians of the galaxy two, worst one since Thor two. I think. And then the first half of, of infinity war, when like a three hour movie ends with like to be continued, I was like, this is getting a little much guys. It's like, and the last movie the I love the last movie. I fucking wept at on your right, like all of that stuff, but it's so much work to get there in, in my mind <laughs> that it's like not that appreciate. Like I'm remembering one minute of six hours of movie and loving <laughs> it. And it's like, yes, the whole time builds. So I think that's when they lost me, but I will say the upcoming slate feels like it might be tailor made to get me back in where it's like, we got Chloe Zhao making a movie. We're making a fully, just a big budget martial arts movie. Gabrus, you're going to fucking. So like some things I'm, I, I feel like, I'm feeling like they're making the right choices going forward in on our vision board. Uh, so I'm thrilled to see what they do. I'm ready to be back in the fold uh, more so than star Wars, <laughs> which I was <laughs> more of a fan of than Marvel when it started and more of more burnt by star Wars than any other thing. <laughs> and that's something that happened to me in 1999 and 2018. <laughs> Keeps happening. Keeps happening yeah. at a regular pace. <laughs> Chronic burn. Uh, Eric, what about you? Loki, what are you looking forward to the most? 
Yeah, it's I'm more I'm more excited for Loki than I thought I might be. Like say a year ago, uh, you know, I'm I'm all in on the MCU. I fucking love it, and I like Infinity <laughs> War and Endgame. I love those movies, and I watched them a million times. But Loki wasn't one of the ones when they announced all the TV shows. I wasn't like, yes, Loki. I, I like Loki. I think he's a fun presence, but I wasn't like super excited that he was getting a show. Um, so far, I, I absolutely adored WandaVision with some caveats. Uh, Falcon Winter Soldier was more rough for me. But Loki, uh, I'm more excited now just because the trailers were kind of wilder than I thought. Like just it, it had a tone that I'm hoping it can deliver on from those trailers. And, you know, people have said, oh, is this kind of Marvel's version of Legends of Tomorrow? And if it is, great, because Legends of Tomorrow is the best DC TV show there is right now because it's kind of just doing its own wild time hopping thing. The fact that it just like, you know, seems to be embracing. Uh, that was the great thing about WandaVision was like, it felt like, oh, we're getting weird in a way the movies won't. Yes. And they can't because they have to serve a different thing audience. So not obviously it's all at Marvel audience, but it's still different to get someone to pay a global box office versus these Disney plus shows. So I don't think Loki's going to be as weird as WandaVision, but it still seems like it's allowed to be quirkier than a, if they did Loki, the movie would be. Uh, and that I'm excited for. And I like that, you know, Owen Wilson's in there being Owen Wilson with a mustache. Uh, so I'm still not like, I, you know, we don't know enough about the story for me to be like a hundred percent, like, yes, this is going to be one of my favorite things, but I am more excited than, yeah. Like I, when they said they were doing Loki, I was like, okay. And now that I've seen some clips, I'm like, this looks like it could be cool. Uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful it can del- deliver on that. I, I agree. Like I, what I, the, the, um, WandaVision and, and Falcon Winter Soldier, they started out in a place and then they sort of very much normalized on both sides in both shows. And I want this show feels like it's going to start weird. And I just want to keep Loki weird. Hashtag keep Loki weird. Because keep if Loki they can, weird. Getting that bumper sticker. Put, yes, it, over if, your, put it over your coexist <laughs> bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get rid of that thing. If they can just maintain it, that's where I think the power for Loki is. Because um, I think it's going to be less like uh, dramatically weird. It's going to have a lot of comedy to it, it seems like, right from the jump. But if they can keep the story like uh, time weirdness, setting up a lot of the multiversity of madness, tonal stuff that we're going to be getting into with the broader MCU, I think that would make for a great show. Yeah, try not to step on uh, other movies' toes in like a way where you're like, ugh, we're t-. that's what the TV excites me. Where it's like at least we're go- we're going in like a different path. So I'm like I'm pumped for that. And just just hearing you two guys talk about Loki, I was like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm more excited after this just 30 second conversation than I was when, when we started. <laughs> and Al Pacino as Mephisto in episode four is going to really pop. I think that's going to be wild. <laughs> and, and this Loki's the one, the one that we rumor has it they're already working on a season two and have a writer's room for season two, which actually. It makes me hopefully that you're right that they'll let they'll keep Loki weird because it doesn't have that onus of having to be like, well, this is a limited series that has to have a big conclusion if it's more like ongoing. Clearly, it's going to have a big finale to lead into Doctor Strange and stuff, but it still seems like maybe if they already are thinking, well, we're definitely going to do a second season of Loki, then they can maybe have their own sort of vibe for that that won't have to feel quite like it has to be like, and now here's our sky beam. And we we touched on this earlier, but I really do think watching Avengers right before going into Loki, I got excited and interested by the idea of taking Loki as a character back to this place he is at the end of that movie and just seeing where that goes forward. You know, you were touching on this earlier, Eric, but the idea that we've already seen him go on a redemption arc. So do they go on the same arc in the show? Is it a different direction? Does it become more of a villain? How does it work? You know, so... At the very least, it's going to be intriguing to watch it, whether they nail it, whether they make it work. I mean, we'll know in six weeks' time, I guess. The other thing to talk about on the vision board going forward is future Avengers movies, which is a big question mark. I mean, a big question mark in terms of, of course, they're going to do more Avengers movies. I'm not an idiot, but they haven't announced anything in the upcoming slate. They've announced. And they're announced through like 2026. Exactly. (laughs) So that's my big question here is when. Do we get the next Avengers movie and what is it? Oh, I like this. Yeah. Is it like, is it Shang-Chi, two people from the Eternals? Like, for, <laughs> like, is it like, is it the way the other phases were built? Or is mm-hmm. it like, uh, you haven't seen Thor in a while, but he'll come back for this movie. Like, is it, is it going to be that? Like, great questions, Alvin. Anyone have any? Thanks. I mean, there's, there's two different routes to, to take, right? Because, yeah, yeah, of course. There will be another movie with Avengers in the title. You don't make the biggest movie ever until Avatar reclaimed it um, and don't make another one. Uh, but 
the two routes they can take are that route, right? Like, yeah, the the team, as we know it, parts of it reassemble, but with people that have never been in the team as well. And we see like what, you know, version of like Captain Marvel, Shang-Chi, maybe Thor, like you said, and Hulk show up. Um, you know, what version is it that? But then the other thing, they're clearly going to do Young Avengers and it's just a question, I think, of is it a Disney Plus series or a movie? Uh, like, you know, you, they've introduced way too many of them. It's like some of them, some we knew were coming, like Kaylee Steinfeld, and then they put, you know, Patriot, Eli into Falcon Winter Soldier. It's like, you're introducing everyone you possibly could for Young Avengers. So it's just that a few years ago, we would have known that was a movie, but now there's the Disney Plus series route. So I think that's, that. do they save, does Young Avengers become the series and they save what I'm talking about, like the Captain Marvel, Shang-Chi, whatever version for a movie. Uh, I do think to their credit that, and maybe this kind of speaks about like you getting, saying like you're kind of getting re-excited going into the next phase. It's like, I think they know they have to back off from like the mega event after they did Infinity, you know, all that stuff. So it feels like they're not trying yet to, to right away go into like, we all have to come back together. Uh, thing and so I think they know they can wait a few years till they do that but I am curious uh, it, they'll, they'll finally pull the trigger on that they have to because it's Hollywood uh, they so. have to pull the trigger <laughs> Chekhov's movie franchise I think they the Young Avengers I think will be a TV series because Marvel and maybe they're going to change this they've made the, the movie to TV leap they've never gone the other way and I don't know if they want to do that it feels like they're trying to really have this TV empire. And since all the young Avengers are being introduced in television shows, it feels like that's the funnel. Maybe it will depend on how everything goes on the movie side. I think if my Avengers, my Avengers prediction is down the road, we're going to get new Avengers and it will mirror the comic book format. They'll take the popular characters from all the movies they're going to do in the next, however many years, say four years. It feels weird that they would pluck an eternal out of there and be like, Kumail, you're an Avenger now. It's like, uh, is that? Is uh, that well, Gemma Chan is playing Cersei, and she was an Avenger for quite a while. I, I agree, <laughs> and I think I think there's going to be some market testing. Like, we got to remember, like, all the movies we've been talking about, they were like, is this working? And they were like, yes, 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 and then they made it. And I think they're going to follow that same path. They have even more confidence, if that's possible, in their way they make shit, and I think they're going to ride that out. But I want to see the new Avenger-style lineup where you got your Luke Cage, you got Got your uh, Spider-Man. Wolverine pops in there. We have time. Let's get the X-Men going. Let's get Wolverine. Hugh Jackman, we need to get a young, you need to young him up a little bit. <laughs> I, I do think that the, the the divide, you know, now that Feige and Marvel Studios is making all the shows, I think that they're. I do think we're going to see characters from the sh these new shows go to the movies. Oh, we know like Monica Rambeau, the adult version is going to be in the Marvels. But I do think, yeah, Young Avengers will probably first be a Disney Plus series. Doesn't mean it can't be a movie too later. But yeah, it does feel like that's the route they're going to go with all these characters, like like uh, the Miss Marvel of it all, and the Haley Steinfeld Hawkeye. That uh, first first they'll get that limited series. I, I want so much for like just making off weird genre movies under th their IP. You know what I mean? Like I just make a fucking, you know, a, a private, a film noir starring Hawkeye. Like just, I, I would watch any, like that's the shit I think is going to be the, that's why Shang-Chi has me so excited because as just a movie fan, I love martial arts movies and they're, they're not, we're not getting new mainstream blockbusters for them so frequently, but if this pops up, I think Marvel could like, and this is all being super self-centered on me, but I feel like Marvel could help kick up other genres of movies that aren't like, you can't just make comic book movies anymore. Like that's not a genre anymore. It's like animation is not a genre anymore. Comic book movies is not a genre. It's like, because there's too many of them for them all to be the same genre. It's gotta start being like, like how Westerns got divvied up where it's like, this is like a, uh, you know, lone gun. This is the, like, I want Marvel to do more of that. So if they, if they make a fucking show, that's all gun, like, you know, a gun based show, like go for it. If they make a show about blood, like I want them to like buying guns, like a show where everybody's going to like a gun expo. <laughs> yeah. And show, a show where people are, uh, uh, you know, buying bump stocks and exploiting <laughs> loopholes at gun shows. Uh, <laughs> But no, I, I mean, that's, like, that's the Punisher like, show, right? Yeah, exactly. Or like, yeah, a, a straight up shoot 'em up show, a straight up Western, like, which I think Logan kind of was, but like making like a Western uh, style movie that's in the MCU. I feel like that's the benefit they have is they have so many crazy worlds. I'm hoping Eternals and Shang-Chi demonstrate that people will go to these things so they can keep going one step 
one like couple inches wider outside their uh, batter box over and over again until they're swinging for fucking fences on wild pitches. That would that's, make, that's that why would I'm excited for Blade because I want to see how they do a vampire horror movie. You know right. that it's part yeah. of Marvel. Yes. Is there a particular yeah. comedy movie starring um, any sort of Avenger adjacent character? Uh, well, if I had to pitch some like- phase, if I got to pitch <laughs> some Phase Five stuff, I'd say uh, we might want to introduce some of the go- other gods, like <laughs> for example, Marvel's Hercules. Oh, that'd be yes. interesting. Who would play Hercules? On, I say uh- <laughs> you, you got to do it. It's got to be someone who has the comedy chops. It's got to be someone who is, uh, you know. Uh, an ally because uh or at least lgbtq or an ally and then it has to be someone who's got the mess because you can't just (laughs) fucking get someone you can't tom cruise uh (laughs) hercules yeah you can't just juice your you can't chris pratt can't play hercules because you need to be a big person so start with a big hairy person give him a bunch of fucking movie star trend see how what you could do to my traps uh put i would say make we can make Prince of Power with Hercules and the fucking little computer guy, the monitor guy, or you make the newer uh, Incredible Herc with fucking Amadeus Cho. Like those, those are two great dynamics for a, a movie or a Disney Plus series. Prince of Power, him just traveling the galaxy and being Hercules in his other ways. And those books are funny, as I recently reread you know this hadn't actually occurred to me before but looking at the people on the podcast you know who would make a really good hercules is justin justin (laughs) would be really great at it there you go we got it justin who has a fucking movie replica tony stark beard is you thinking (laughs) hercules Well, no, seriously, I mean, not to hype you up too much, Gabrus, but, like, we've seen Sibulu basically tweeted at Marvel and was like, hey, make me Shang-Chi, and then they were like, great, come in for a meeting, so yeah. keep at uh, it, you'd be great. He, he might have a little more juice than me, because definitely sure. people people are definitely tagging Marvel and Kevin Feige and all the shit about me playing Hercules. But the most recent drawings of him, we do actually look very similar. Yes, not saying it's right there. not saying that's a selling point to cast me, but it does feel weird. And he is a little goofy and funny. And I'm like, oh, I fucking I want to do this so bad. So keep your eyes peeled, listeners of this podcast. <laughs> we wouldn't have to CG him finishing a leader if you were playing him because I've seen yes, you do it you live yeah, you in person. You wouldn't have to fake a guy drinking red wine right out of a fucking cask. That's something Ben <laughs> physically do. All right. Before we wrap up here, anything you guys want to plug? Eric, anything in particular you want to plug? Places people should check you out. Uh, yeah, just uh, nothing like uh, specific, but uh, yeah, you can uh, uh, find uh, some of my writing at fandom.com. Uh, you can hear, listen to my podcast, the We Enjoy podcast, uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I'm often on uh, uh, SJU, the uh, show we do on YouTube for fandom entertainment. So you can check some of my stuff out there as well. Cool. Gabrus, what about you? Uh, I have a podcast called High and Mighty where I just chat with people about stuff. But then I also have a podcast called Action Boys, which is about movies. Uh, It's behind a paywall, but we have a bunch of free episodes wherever you get podcasts. Just pull it up, type in Action Boys. They are... Episodes are longer than the movie's runtime, which is not a selling point, I understand, but I feel like I'm, I'm half pitching, half warning you. If you want to get involved, listen to three hours of us talking about fucking romancing the stone. Go nuts. Uh, we are talking classic movies, so if you are a Marvel head, you might not like our you know beat-by-beat beat breakdown of the Charles Bronson mechanic. Like that might not land. That That's might not where land it all on started. This. It's where it all started. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes. And for those of you listening out there, if you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube coming out. We would love to chat with you about Marvel movies, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, follow, and listen to the shows at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, stay marvelous. How's your Chitari standalone script coming, Alex? <laughs> it's going very badly. <laughs> Disney Plus series. Disney minus. <laughs> <laughs>